Thank you, church. Uh, I just want to be uh, completely honest with you. My heart's about to explode out of my chest. But that's not because of anything that I've done, but it's about what God has done in my life. And uh, before I get started, I just wanted to thank Roger. Um, I usually sit behind Roger and I kind of see what he does back there, but uh, I got to see behind the behind the scenes this week. And man, that guy just just has a servant heart. So I just wanted to thank Roger for that. Everybody, thank you, Roger. So today, I just want to talk to you about a just about how God entered my life and what He's doing with it right now. And this is we we call it the road, my road to salvation. And we put in that parentheses there, Damascus, because uh, I'm going to be talking about the port, the story of Paul. So let's get started. Today I just wanted to share with you uh, one of my favorite verses in the, in the whole Bible, right? Um, and I read the NIV. I read it because it's in plain English, and I, it's, it's no thys, those, and these. Um, so most of all this will be in NIV today. So um, I wanted to focus on just this one, one scripture today and then kind of go through here and go from on out. So, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now, if you look at other scriptures, in the King James Version, you get this word. If you, if you focus on handiwork, which is the word I want to focus on today, um, you get God's worksmanship, right? And in the NLT, you get God's masterpiece. But if you dig into this uh, scripture a little bit harder, um, and if you're like me, I like to get to the, the original context of the scripture, um, you bring the handiwork, God's masterpiece, back to its original context, and it comes up to this word in the Greek called poem. Uh, poema, sorry, poema, which also means poem. Um, and for all you guys in here, that's, that means story. I know we're not you know, big on poems. So, um, <clears throat> so I want you to think about before God created the earth, before he set the foundations on, on the stones that they are on, he sat down and wrote a poem, a story about your life, right? So kind of think about that. So if that's true, and we believe what God says and God's word is true, that means your, your life is important. You're significant. And most importantly, you matter. So let's see where we're at. So today I'm going to walk you through the book of Acts. I got my uh, accountability partner here today, Rodney Warner. Uh, a few weeks, uh, a few months ago, we, uh, we dug into the book of Acts. And what we noticed about the book of Acts is that Paul tells his testimony about how Jesus met him on the road to Damascus throughout the book of Acts. He doesn't just do it once. He, just, he does it multiple times, and this man's standing in front of Pharisees. He's standing in front of kings. He's standing in front of judges. And one thing that is consistent with Paul throughout the book of Acts is he tells those guys about where Jesus met him on that road to Damascus. <clears throat> so today I want to talk about my road. So my road to Damascus is covered in deceit, fear, anger, sadness, and shame. So let's take a journey and see what that looks like. <laughs> so who am I? Who's this guy up here on stage today? So my name's Kyle Griffith. I was born, well, oh, geez, there's mom. <laughs> uh, I was born and raised right here in Angola, Florida. Um, I grew up here my whole entire life, went to Lemon Bay High School, graduated with Mitch. Um, hold on, back it up, Roger. Slow it down. <laughs> um, This is, this is a hard story for me to tell. This is not one I like to dig into, but I'm looking at pictures of my mom here right now. She, she passed away earlier this year, uh, January 3rd. And, uh, <laughs> all right, so, um, you know, growing up in Englewood, 
Um, I had a fairly normal childhood until I was about 12 years old, and I realized that maybe my life wasn't as normal as it, it should have been. Um, I discovered um, that my mom was uh, addicted to uh, prescription medications, and she was um, ultimately a, a drug addict. Um, from the beginning of the time, I didn't know who my father was um, since birth, um, and growing up, I had two different stepdads, both, uh, you know, like to drink, like to be hard men. Um, it was just, uh, it was a little different than what most kids had growing up, right? Um, life, life was always about the party. Life was always about the next, the next fix. Um, yeah, and it was, uh, I wouldn't say my life was hard, but it was difficult growing up in that. Um, I would say my parents weren't available for me spiritually. They weren't available, they weren't available for me emotionally. And, uh, they weren't available for me relationally. So, um, growing up and leaving the house, I carried on what they taught me. I partied. I had plenty of girlfriends. I wasn't living, wasn't living the life I was supposed to be. And also growing up, we didn't really go to church. I had a relationship with God, which I thought I knew I had. And, uh, and that's that. So I was about 27 years old and I met this Proverbs 31 chick right here, Reagan. <laughs> um, we met, um, started dating. Um, shortly after that, we got married. And, uh, you know, being introduced to Reagan, she had a, she come from a Christian background. And, uh, you know, I, I started learning a little bit. Um, still stubborn in my own mind, didn't really want to, didn't really care about it. Um, you know, we pray at meals. Um, I was, I was told to pray, at, you know, for my own dinners at my own house. And uh, didn't really think much of it. Um, at our wedding, we had, we had a Christian wedding, I would say. Um, we had the, uh, the Corinthians, love is patient, love is kind, all the good stuff. Um, you know, look at us, we're having a Christian wedding, but, you know, I was, me as a man, I was, I was missing the mark. And then uh, shortly after this, um, you know, we found ourselves, we, we were pregnant, and we found ourselves in the hospital. <clears throat> and uh, the only problem with being in the hospital was that it was five weeks early. I didn't say I was going to cry today. I walked through these slides plenty of times. <laughs> um, so, so Kylie, uh, Kylie was born five weeks early, and uh, they were pretty optimistic about it. But the cool thing about this was is that for the first time I got to be a dad, and I was terrified what that looked like. But um, shortly after, uh, after, the, uh, after Kylie was born, um, my wife started the hemorrhage. And... Uh, you know, they prepared the, the OR table for uh, an emergency hysterectomy. We were looking at, uh, you know, never having more kids. And uh, it was tough. It was not a good time to, to, to be in. Um, I just envisioned, you know, being back in that time. You know, there were, my wife was hemorrhaging. There was blood all over the floor. You know, it was all over my feet. And I just remember staring at my, my father-in-law, Larry, and uh, just kind of, like, staring at him, like, what do we do? So... Um, the doctor came in, we, we, they gave her some medicine to stop the bleeding, it kind of subsided a little bit, and we kind of carried on from there and just started going through the procedures of trying to get home with our child. So, <clears throat> um, three days later, we were going to take Kylie home, and when they put her in the car seat, and, they, uh, and, she, and she stopped breathing. So... <clears throat> So she stopped breathing, 
and uh, she was sent to the NICU, and uh, she, where we would would remain there for you know two two or three months. They were saying, and uh, the worst part about that was is that me and my wife were discharged. And we had to go home without our child. So um, I'm just going to flash forward. I don't want I, I don't have time to get into all the details, but. Reagan was still uh, struggling with the hemorrhaging, so we ended up back in the hospital, and we were readmitted. And uh, fortunately enough, we were on the same floor with Kylie, and we got to visit her while we were trying to take care of this and try to figure out what was going on with my wife. Um, and then one Sunday, while we were there, Sunday morning, uh, I remember it like it was yesterday, June 12th, um, the nurse came in, and uh, it was 5 o'clock in the morning, and... Uh, they came in and they told us that Kylie stopped eating, right? And her jaundice has gotten really bad, and we didn't know uh, what was going to happen. So um, when, they, when she stopped eating, they put a feeding tube up her nose and into her stomach, and that completely wrecked me in my, in, my, in, my, in my life right now. I didn't know what to do, and I left the hospital at this point. So when I finally got my emotions back together, I headed back to the hospital, and... Uh, you know, I didn't, we were just kind of going through the motions and just kind of figuring out what we we're going to do. We we're going to be there for a while. And, uh, you know, I get a, oddly enough, I get a phone call from my stepdad. This guy has been hard on me my whole life, never really gave me any good advice. Um, always beat me down with his words. Um, just, just a bunch of stuff, right? Um, but I'll never forget that phone call. My, my pocket vibrated, and it was Sam, and I answered, and he's like, hey. And he goes, hey, son. I'm like, okay. <clears throat> he's like, I know you're having a hard time down there at that hospital. But he's like, if there's any advice I can give you, he's like, that, that hospital has a first floor chapel. He's like, get your butt down there and pray. Right? And, uh, you know, I've never taken advice from this guy besides, you know, the life that he showed me, partying, doing this, whatever the, the next fix is, and just, uh, you know, but it was good advice because, um, you know, my wife... Um, had to go in for surgery. And when she went in for surgery to figure out what was going on, um, I got down there and I prayed to Jesus. And that was the first time I ever prayed to Jesus in my entire life, right? I needed help. No man was going to help me figure it out. And I didn't know where else to turn but to Jesus. So I prayed. I got down on my knees. I prayed. And, uh, you know, things, uh, things started progressively changing. You know, I started seeing changes in the hospital. Um, I saw nurses working a different way. I saw just a different vibe happening. And, uh, you know, what happened, what happened after that was just we were supposed to be in the hospital for, for months, and it turned into a week. And uh, originally this message was for the men's prayer breakfast. It was a Father's Day message, right? I got to take Kylie home the day before Father's Day, so I thought that was pretty cool. So, you know, having all this uh, deceit from, you know, my father and all these father figures I had, all these men that hurt me growing up, you know, God blessed me and um, God blessed me and let me take my kid home before, before Father's Day. So that was good. So what happened after, we called it the crisis. So I saw a change. And I started learning about Jesus. I picked up every book, including the Bible. I watched every movie. I could figure out who this Jesus guy was. And what I found out was, you know, he's not a religion, but he was a person. And then he came to this earth to die for my sins that I, that I couldn't comprehend to do on myself. I couldn't do this on my own. So on that adventure, we started church shopping, and we found ourselves uh, here at Fellowship Church. 
And uh, we walked in, this was back before all this was happening. We had chairs in the back. I used to sit back here. And uh, the message was about Paul. And Paul's uh, story really related to me. That, this is the message that Pastor Gary was preaching that day. As he neared Damascus on the journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground, and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And I just remember listening to Pastor Gary preach about that, and I just remember how that just reconciled. Back at the brother. <laughs> um, I just remember how that story just uh, reconciled with me, how, you know, I just, where I hit my knees in this chapel, in this hospital, and I asked for Jesus for help. Jesus met me where I was, and that's where he did with Paul. But not only that, but I was on this road of destruction, this road of just doing whatever I wanted to do, making myself Lord of my life. And, uh, you know, um, learn how to trust God, learn how to know who Jesus was. You know, we prayed a long time, and then there was a time when we decided if we wanted to have another kid. And that decision was hard because of what happened with the first one. So we prayed about it. We talked to the doctors. And, uh, you know, we decided to go forth and have another child. And, uh, you know, Austin was born. This is my saving grace right here. So Austin was born. And not only was he, uh, he was late. <laughs> you got be, to be careful what you ask for. You got to be, be careful what you pray for. Um, we had to induce my wife on. He was 41 weeks, and we had to, we had to send him out. So, uh, but he came out. Um, my wife had no troubles, not even a stitch, no, no troubles at all. We left the, the hospital in three days. And uh, Now, mind you, mind you, this is a two-year, two-and-a-half-year journey for me, right? I haven't given my life to Christ yet. I thought I might have knew who Jesus was, and I might have thought, I knew what I was talking about, but I'd, I had a hard time surrendering to that because of, you know, all the stuff I've dealt with in my life. But whew, after seeing all that and going through it and praying and seeing the, the goodness and the favor that God had in my life, you know, I, I got with Pastor Gary, I got with Chuck and Alex, and they, we walked out to the Gulf of Mexico, and I gave my life to Jesus. There's a scripture that goes with this. <laughs> Man, that was a good day for me. Um, it's really hard to it's really hard to explain what happened after I got baptized, right? Um, you know, I took a long time for me to surrender, and uh, when I left that water, I just I just felt new, I just felt clean. I actually felt for the first time in my life that I was saved, right? And then in the Book of Acts, it talks about immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes. And he could see again. He got up and he was baptized. And I followed that model all the way to the end. And uh, I just want to make something clear, though. This is, this is my journey, right? This was mine. Baptism doesn't save us, but it's a, it's a representation of um, your salvation, right? So that's why it follows salvation. So once you receive Christ and are baptized, that's pretty much how, how it works. So, um, so let's move forward. So what am I doing now and how is God using my story for his glory? But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is a chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and to their kings and to the people of Israel. God's moved in my life in a mighty way. After giving my life to Jesus, uh, I found this passion for men's ministry, which you can see up here. Um, 
joining things like Fight Club, uh, Markman for Christ, um, really uh, allowed me just to pour out my wounds and find healing in my past. And uh, it's been really good. I've, I've, I've found brothers I can do life with. And, uh, you know, I met, I met cool guys over here, like um, the guy in the blue shirt, Dan Burns, who, uh, you know, I always had uh, mentoring on my heart about because I always wanted to um, reach out to the next guy. And uh, Dan kind of gave me the model for that. And then that's kind of how Fishers of Men was uh, born. We do that here. And, uh, man, I can't say enough about it, man. If you haven't joined one of these ministries, your opportunity is today. We're doing Fight Club. We'll sign you up in the lobby. And uh, I'll tell you right now, it's, it's, it's life-changing. It's uh, radically changed my heart on how I pursue Jesus. And, uh, and it's given me brothers to do life with. And it's, it's strengthened me to become a better husband, a better father, and a better leader in my community. <clears throat> So thanks to Jesus, and after joining these ministries and, uh, you know, doing the work, the self-work that I needed to do on myself, you know, this is, what my, this is what my road looks like now. So my deceit has turned into truth. You know, I've, I've grown up believing these lies that the devil has told me, but once I gave my life to Jesus, I can believe in the promises that, that he, I can live in the promises that he has told me. And I don't have to make my past Lord of my life because Jesus is Lord of my life. Fear turned to boldness. Fear, what does fear look like for me? Fear was, you know, am I going to be a good dad? Am I going to be like my father who abandoned me? And that turns into boldness because I can find truth in Jesus knowing that, you know, that God's my daddy now. (laughs) And uh, so what we got next? Anger turned to meekness. Now I reflect on that. I reflect on that. Uh, I reflect on that scripture where Paul said, why are you persecuting me, Paul? You know, I never, I never killed anybody, right? But how many times have I, you know, struck somebody down with my tongue or beat them down with my words just, just for being angry from, being a, from, my, from my childhood, right? But I can, I can harness that anger now, and I, knowing that I can cut you down, and I, I choose to treat it more gently <laughs> and, uh, and uh, knowing that I don't have to go that route. Sadness turned to joy. Man, you could, can anybody ever find joy in their suffering? I can look back at my past and I can see where Jesus has worked in my life. I might not have seen him back then, but he was there. And, uh, you know, I just find joy that he can use my past now to, uh, to enjoy my future, really enjoy it. And uh, shame turned to freedom. But how is that so? Because Romans 8.28 tells us, and we know that in all things, God works for God, uh, good for those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Man, I just want to think about that scripture right now. How good is God, right? That he can turn my past into my future, right? And that, uh, you know, even though even though I didn't have a, a great connection with my mom because she suffered, you know, drug addiction and that really tore our family apart as a young kid, I can, I can find joy in that because, you know, full circle, before she passed away, um, we were able to minister her and she rededicated her life to Jesus in time. And one more point. Um, how good is God? You know, I didn't, I didn't have a father growing up. I had two stepdads that were kind of distant. Um, but, you know, God calls me 
God calls me his son. I have a dad in heaven. But not only that, he's given me a, an earthly father who's, uh, who I can live by an example. And uh, just kind of wanted to touch on that a little bit. You know, um, I was asked a question a few weeks ago. I was like, you know, I'm, we, we, work, we work in men's ministry. And, uh, you know, I breathe life into a lot of guys. And, we, you know, I jump in the pit and I help them with their hurts and their, and their hang-ups and just whatever they're suffering from, man. Because, you know, I've been in the pit. I kind of I know my way around, right? Your corner looks a little different than mine, but when we meet in the middle, we can kind of navigate it, yeah. right? But I got, I got asked, um, you know, who's doing that for me? And I just want to, you know, take the time to just, you know, honor Larry for being that guy in my life, man. I appreciate you. I value our relationship. And uh, something that came to me this past weekend was something was like, you don't have to tell me, Right? You don't have to tell me how I need to live my life because you show me with your actions. And I really appreciate that and I love you. <clears throat> so let's bring it back to where we started. Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's great handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So this was my story. What does your story look like? Ron, you have a story? Pastor Gary, you have a story. You know what else has a story? Your mama. You know what I like about your mama's story? I'm a part of that story. Right? And even though I've never met her, it's like throwing this rock into a pond and you see this ripple. You don't know how your story is going to affect other people. Right? And you've got to think, like, who ministered to your mama? Billy Graham. Who, who ministered to him? Who knows? Right, but it's a, it's a chain effect that happens, right? So somebody ministers to Billy Graham. Somebody, Billy Graham ministers to your mama. Uh, you move to Englewood. You build Fellowship Church. I come to Fellowship Church. It's a giant poem. It's a giant, it's a giant story of God's masterpiece working in, into full effect. So what would it look like if you guys shared your story with somebody? Somebody you love. And how do you think it would impact the kingdom of God? And if for whatever reason you don't think that your story matters, I got scripture that can back that up. <laughs> so you are worthy for Romans 1.6, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. Ambassadors, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making an appeal through us, we implore us on Christ's behalf. We recounsel to God. So just think about that. What does an ambassador look like? Anybody have a job in here? You wear a uniform. You're representing your, your job, right? It's the same with Christ. You can wear that cloak of Christ, and you can go out and tell people about it and represent him in an only godly way that you know how to. <clears throat> you are anointed. This is a lie that a lot of, I tell myself every once in a while. I'm not, I'm not fit to be on stage and talk to people. But God says, now it is God who makes both of us, you and stand firm in Christ. He anointed us. I'm not up here on my own works. I'm, I'm here because of what God has done in my life. And we are messengers. Uh, but when they believed, Philip, as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. And the thing I like about messengers is uh, a man in a man named Cliff gave me some advice, you know, a few, probably a few months ago, where he's like, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a preacher, not yet. 
Um, but I am a messenger. I'm anointed. I'm an ambassador of God. And I'm worthy to tell the good news of the kingdom of God. So I encourage you today, pray about it. There's a story on your heart. Everybody's story looks different. But is there somebody on your heart today that you could share it with and maybe bring them a little closer to Christ? And that's pretty much my story. Let's see. And I got one last thing. Hey, Kylie, you want to come up here? <laughs> She's been dying to come up here for months. So this is the this is the little baby that was in the pictures with all the the, the tubes and the and the the feeding tubes and the bandages and uh, you know my brother Irv asked me at the men's prayer breakfast you know how's Kylie doing? Well, Kylie is seven years old. She's very healthy, right? And uh, you just turned seven, and you just entered the second grade, right? And all and all she's ever known is Jesus, and I'm so thankful for that. You ready? Hey, Kylie. Who's Jesus? Jesus is our Savior. Woo! Come on. So Kylie's only known Jesus. And uh, this is where my life comes full circle. Because God met me in a place where I needed my life to be changed. And I needed to learn how to fight for my families, my, fun, my son, my daughter, my wife, and my home. And this little girl, on her own, decided to get baptized in the name of Jesus just a few weeks ago. And I couldn't be more proud of how God is working in our lives. High five. So, so church, that's my story. I just want to thank you for encouraging me. I just want to thank you for loving me. Um, I just want to thank you for just, just being who you are. And uh, just thank you for letting me speak today. And I hope uh, this message reached somebody. And uh, just thank you.